Welcome to Dream Makers, candid conversations with women that will change the way that you see success, purpose, and what it takes to bridge the two. I'm Neha Sampat, a three-time tech founder and CEO with a focus on companies that are places to dream big, build up, and be a good human. I'm CEO of Content Stack and also a certified sommelier. So yes, we drink wine here. <laughs> I'm joined by Heidi Safieri, founder and CEO at Prompt Health, which is a directory and social platform for patients and wellness providers that's changing the way that Canadians learn about and engage with their health. Today, we're going to talk about digital transformation in the health and wellness industry, side hustles, and going after opportunity when it surfaces. Let's get started. Hi, Heidi. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for being on the show. I'm super excited about this because I don't I don't know a ton about the healthcare industry at all. And so this is, I think, our first guest on this podcast from, from the industry. So I think we'll all get an opportunity to learn a lot. So you started your career as a clinician. Tell me about that and, and what kind of drew you to healthcare. So my background is I was an athlete growing up. I grew up as a swimmer, so I was always super interested to learn about the human body. So I studied kinesiology undergrad, um, ended up doing a master's degree in rehab. And as a result of that, ended up working in healthcare for over 15 years in a private health clinic, which is one of the pioneers of private health in Canada. And I spent most of my career, well, which is 15 years at that clinic. And during this time, I saw the gaps and some of the things that could be improved and that led to creation of Prompt Health. Oh, awesome. So we're going to get more into Prompt Health in a moment. But first, let's talk about the wine that we're drinking together yeah. today. We had to find a bottle that I could get shipped to Vancouver, Canada, and also have available here in, I'm actually in San Francisco today. And what we chose is something that's actually pretty accessible and most people will be able to find in the market. It's a La Crema from Sonoma Coast. This is a Pinot Noir. And this is actually one of my favorite, like kind of everyday wines that you can easily find, but also pairs well with a lot of really great foods. So let's have a sip and have a little chat. Cheers to you, Heidi. Cheers. This is so awesome. I just received the box uh, yesterday and I was so excited. It makes it a little bit more fun. It's wonderful. I always like the La Crema wines. I feel like they're pretty well balanced. In California, Pinots in general are a little bit more fruit forward and mm -hmm. light, but you don't get the same earthiness that you would get in a Burgundy. But this one, I get like a lot of red fruit, like, the, you know, like cherries and almost like a overly ripe cherry and a little bit of like a note of tobacco, which is kind of interesting. Yes, I can taste it. So good. Awesome. And maybe even like a little bit of pomegranate juice. <laughs> it's a nice kind of everyday wine and, and one of their nicer ones from Sonoma Coast. I think you have a 2017? 2017. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So let's chat a little bit more about you. I mean, it's, it's been a big leap from 15 years as a clinician to becoming a digital entrepreneur in, in the sort of tech space. Why did you make that change? So during this time, I, you know, witnessed what are the gaps are in terms of how people access care. And we used to have a lot of people coming to us looking for certain options and finding these options for them was very ineffective. So I'll give you an example. You know, a patient coming asking for a therapist who specializes in 
a teen's anxiety or a pedoritist or a dietitian with diabetes or a nutritionist and eating disorder. Like, you know, there's a lot of different practitioners offering different specialties that a lot of people don't know about. These people are available. So we had to sit down and Google search and maybe they have a website, maybe they don't, maybe they have a good SEO and they come up, maybe they won't. And, you know, we would just suggest whoever that we knew in our neighborhood. But the truth is there are so many other people in different regions, maybe available virtually. So I always wanted to solve this, to come up with a better way to find these people easier. I wasn't sure where to start. All my training, my background was in health. I had no business sense. So 2015, I went back to school and got a global MBA, finished 2017. And that required a lot of travels, North and South America. We got involved through that, launching a digital health platform in Mexico. So that kind of, that was my first exposure in, oh, you know, this is cool. And after I graduated 2017, while I was still working as a clinician, I started this side hustle uh-huh. <laughs> and consulting, um, helping startups with different things that they needed. So anywhere from writing business plan to go-to-market strategy, product development, fundraising, things like that. So I worked with a few companies, local companies, aside from the one in Mexico, developing all of that. So putting what I learned in school into practice for a couple of years. And that kind of gave me the confidence that I can do this for myself. And then pandemic hit, my career ended in the healthcare practice that I was at. And that was perfect timing to start this. And, you know, it it was in development for a number of months and it finished. And here we are. There's some really interesting points in there. And before we chatted now, I didn't realize that you actually kind of started to do the side hustle as a result of going through the MBA and probably picking up some new skills, which I think for some of our, you know, younger audience or those that are earlier in their careers, like it's it's pretty inspiring that going through an MBA gives you these kind of new roots or like it reinvigorates your knowledge and helps you to then take that to the next level, which I love that you think of it as a side hustle, but it's actually like also elevating what you already knew and taking that to to learn new things and help other entrepreneurs. So it's pretty cool to hear about that journey. And it's interesting how with the pandemic, a lot of people had to make a shift that, you know, hopefully pushes you in a direction that's actually pretty exciting. But so talk a little bit about how you came about it. Like, what are the steps that you went through to set this up and to start to build the technology? I had the idea for a long time. And once I, I had enough confidence to actually, you know, put together a business plan and formulate how that's going to look like, I put together the business plan. I hired a team uh, initially overseas to uh, start building the platform. And while that was in development, I started uh, looking into what resources I have available locally in terms of like grants and some of the support that are available to digital health companies. So I was able to hire developers internally and took over the project once we had our MVP and we had in-house developers. And so we took that over. Initially, it was just me and one developer then I realized this is not a one-person show. This takes a lot of different people. So we started slowly. I needed to hire more people. So I started my fundraising. I raised the seed round, hired more people. 
and used a lot of different programs that are available to get a lot of help of different interns and mm-hmm. in business and marketing uh, to build a marketing business team. And, you know, I started different activities from technology and business development side to get it going. You mentioned that you got kind of the confidence to get things going. And I think that was partially the result of the experience you had working with startups. Are there any particular projects or any learnings that stood out from the consulting that gave you that confidence? Oh my God, so much. Because there there are different components to this, right? And, you know, talking to different startups, uh, it's actually quite interesting because I get approached a lot of times people saying, I have this idea. And I'm like, it doesn't start with the idea. It starts with the problem. And then you have the solution. You don't just come up with an idea, right? So I really want to emphasize on that. So knowing what problem is it that you're solving, knowing how you're different, who are your competition? How are you better than that? How can you put together a team that complements you because you can't do everything by yourself? So those were some of the things that I started working on before I even started building it. That's good advice. And you probably gave that advice to the startups you were working with as well. Awesome. Do you have any tips for people who are thinking about starting a side hustle? Like how would you tackle that while still maintaining your full-time job and kind of getting it off the ground? You can't just come up with an idea and start doing it. Like as you immerse yourself in different things, you see the opportunity, right? And once you see the opportunity, you just have to grab it and experiment with it and be ready to pivot, right? Because you might have an idea that you fall in love with at the beginning and it's great, but maybe that's not what the market wants, right? So you have to be able to keep like changing and pivoting until you find, you really hone it down. So just be open to what's out there and keep learning. Awesome. Well, let's jump into more about prompt health. So you mentioned, you know, you start with the problem. So tell us a little bit more about what the gaps were on the patient side and how that drove you to build this. So this is a two-sided marketplace, right? We have health seekers on one side and health providers on the other side. And I actually don't want to call it health. I want to call it wellness. Because uh, health is so illness focused and wellness is so like being proactive about your health, right? And the reason it's two-sided is because there's a problem on both sides. On the patient side, the problem is they don't know what the different providers do. There's a lot of typical directories out there where you kind of have to know who you're searching for. For example, you search chiropractor, Vancouver, but what if you need to see osteopath? What if acupuncturist? What if there's a massage therapist? There is a lot of different options available to a certain need that people might not necessarily know about, right? So we started from the need. We're like, here's the need. These are your options. And there is always more than one option, right? We also have a personalized match where they can personalize their experience based on their background, health, age. It's geolocation as well as virtual. So They might be in Vancouver and get connected with someone in Toronto, for example. So that solves the problem on the um, health seeker side. On the provider side, a lot of these providers, and this is what we learned over the past year, are not on social media. They're not marketing themselves. If they are, it's a very fragmented market. Everybody are doing their own thing. And as a result, they can reach everyone. So we said, well, we've created this platform. We can create tools for you to market yourself better. So that was the next phase of our development to create tools for them to 
market themselves better by educating people, by sharing their knowledge, which is still not happening. So we're still working on helping these providers in this creator economy to become creators because they are the source of knowledge, right? So our interface right now looks very similar to Twitter or LinkedIn, where they can create different knowledge uh, in form of a voice memo or a text like a tweet or article or event. If you have any courses, online courses, which a lot of providers do these days, uh, they can share all that knowledge and people can learn more from them. So it's interesting, you started off kind of thinking more about matching symptoms to providers, and then you learned that there was a new gap, which was that providers aren't marketing themselves. So actually, you know what, our value prop is more on the other side right now, because we have created a network of providers all across Canada, and we're helping them to get discovered. By creating content, their SEO will come up, which they can never get on their own on a like a WordPress website by themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So the more content they create, the more discoverable they become on this one platform that has everyone plus other tools, right? That's super cool, especially like the individual providers or specialists that don't have any other means. We also made inter-referral possible, which has never been done before. So they can learn about each other through content, not just profile. And they can recommend each other. So a naturopath can go and say, this is this dietitian is great. And she lives in another city. And the dietitian can say, this physio is great for shoulders, which boosts online trust. And it's more authentic. It's not fake reviews. Yeah, that's really cool. I love something that you said in our prep, which was as the only founder, you have to admit that you don't know everything. And I completely align with that. What do you have to do or what have you done to overcome some of your knowledge gaps as a founder? So as a solo founder, so the power of team, team is obviously very important, but not just people that can help you, people that can mentor you as well. Mm-hmm. So I found really great advisors in different areas that I knew I'm lacking the knowledge. So I have my finance prof who was the dean of the MBA as one of the advisors, investors. And then there is another person who's in health and knows this industry really well and president of a chain of pharmacies. And he's another advisor investor. So, you know, whenever I I have a question and I need like a higher level strategy, thinking mind to help me, that's who I go to. That's awesome. Yeah. I always like to think you should surround yourself by not only champions, but also people that know things that you don't. I used to say people that are smarter than you, but it's really more about knowing their areas or having expertise where you don't have it. And um, that's, that's how we all grow. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about like where you are in your fundraising journey? You mentioned that you had raised some capital. Are you raising again? Where are things now? Yeah, so we did a seed last year and I'm just starting going for Series A right now. Cool. That's exciting. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far from an entrepreneurship perspective? I think the power of team, surrounding yourself by people who complement your skills. For example, I'm a non-technical founder. So my tech journey was the hardest, uh, the number of people I went through and some of the struggles I had. And I finally have like a really great tech lead. And surrounding yourself with people that complement your skills, I think is a really big one. I think that's my biggest one because it was my biggest struggle to begin with, but now I'm good. 
It's really remarkable and impressive and unusual to be a non-tech solo founder running a tech company. I'm also non-technical. My background's more on the business and commercial side, but I had a co-founder who was technical, which helped me immensely. And I don't know that I could have pulled off what you did quite with as much grace. (laughs) Yeah, well, if I could do it all over again, I would for sure have a co-founder who's tech. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's tough and it gets complex and Um, Every decision on the tech side also ends up having an impact on kind of the future, right? And um, that's pretty, pretty exciting. You weren't very social media savvy either when you, when you started this, but now you're like a guru in this. Talk about that a little bit. What, what tips would you have for people um, around social media? So this was a really interesting discovery for me because when we were going through the MBA training, because it was so intense, it was executive program and all of us were working. They had us cut out 25 hours a week out of our typical schedule. And that involved no TV, no social media. So I got used to not watching TV. I still don't watch TV and not being on social media, like zero. So uh, when I started Prompt Help, we had to, it's it's an online business and we had to build social channels. So I had to start from zero and I was by myself day one. There was no, no one, no one else. It was just me. So I started an Instagram and for Prompt Help and that's what I started with. But then I had to learn about everything. I had to learn about YouTube and a podcast and like you name it, any social channel that exists. So um, I started building it up and when I, once I hired a team, they, they helped me to, you know, to manage all of that. And we were now on every social media platform, including Clubhouse, TikTok, everything, you name wow. it, we're on it. And my latest thing that happened was three weeks ago. So this is after we had the prep. My daughter challenged me on, I have a 12 year old daughter and she challenged me on TikTok and we have a, you know, prompt health account on TikTok, but it didn't have the growth that as other channels did. And I said, you know what? I don't think anyone cares about business. I think people care about people and they need to like connect with you at a human level. So I'm going to start a TikTok account. And my daughter said, no one is going to like, no one is going to, they're all kids. And I said, well, I think you see kids because that's how the algorithm works. They show you kids because you're at that age. And she said, I bet you. And, and I took the challenge and I started a TikTok account three weeks ago. I'm at 22,000 followers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it blew up. Like the number of testimonials and messages and DMs I get oh, cool. thanking me for what I'm doing because I'm saying I'm building a wellness community. The message is very clear. And I talk about mental health. I I talk about the problems over pandemic and I go live every night and people come and pour out their heart. And I'm like, I could never have a better focus group or a place to get direct feedback from people in terms of where their struggles are. They're all adults. A lot of people from Vancouver, from Canada. That is really cool. That is really cool. I I probably would have sided with your daughter on this one (laughs) before hearing the story. That's really impressive. I haven't really gotten into TikTok yet, but now I'm (laughs) I'm rethinking it. Do you have any kind of advice for brands or even small businesses or practitioners that they should think about if they're just trying to get a little bit more social media presence? It's very unusual for a tech founder to be so involved. But, you know, I I decided I'll be the face of the company. 
because I have a personal story and there's a reason I'm doing this, right? And I'm finding that so much more powerful than anything else. I also started the podcast for Prompt Health and I interviewed a number of different health experts from all over North America. So each episode is an interview with a health expert. So I interviewed 65 people on the podcast and way more. So over 100 people, more on IG Lives interviews. And this year, 2022, I said, let's open this up to everyone else. Let's talk to people, not Mm -hmm. just the experts, because this is not a one-way communication. This is a two-way communication. Let's hear their struggle. And that's how the TikTok idea came about. And I'm just blown away. I cannot tell you the number of messages and DMs I get. People thanking me for what I'm doing because everybody thought TikTok is for kids. It's not. It can change lives. And I'm seeing it in a few weeks. And I'm just like, I'm blown away. Absolutely. And it comes back to what you said at the beginning, which is it's about people. People want to see real people and it's authentic, right? What would you say is your purpose? My purpose is to get as much wellness to as many people as possible. You know, so we've gone through a very difficult time and pandemic and people are struggling in many ways. And mental health and physical health are not separated from each other. And everyone has been in isolation for a long time. So there's a second crisis or second pandemic, which is mental health. And again, it's not separated from your physical body because it's a vicious cycle, right? So I think this is a time that it's super important for people to be proactive about their well-being. And it starts from feeling well. As I said, health is illness focused, but feeling well goes way beyond that, which is physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual health. And that's what we're trying to do through different services that we provide. It's so important and probably more topical than ever right now. Everybody has a different kind of story about how the pandemic has impacted them and their lives but everybody has been affected. Like there's not a single person who hasn't had some kind of challenge through this period. I think one thing that's come out of the pandemic that I've been thinking about a lot is kind of mental wellness and mental health were a little bit more taboo. And now it's so front and center and top of mind for everyone that your timing couldn't be better in terms of being able to reach more people because everyone's looking for some kind of support. I mean, as an employer, I'm always constantly focused on and worried about my employees and what they're going through. And as much as we try to do for them, the reality is everyone's on their own journey. And there's only so much that an employer or a company can do to to help support. So it's awesome. You talked about your superpower. And that was a superpower that I actually think I share. And it's resilience. And I think it's one of the most important entrepreneurial traits. How did you cultivate that, you know, even going back to your your childhood, if you can tell us a little bit about that? I grew up in Iran and I moved to Canada when I was 16 with my family. And for people that don't know much about Iran, there was a war for eight years between Iran and Iraq. So I lived through that. So we lived, you know, in a war zone and we had our neighbors killed and there were like, we were bombed and all of our classes were in shelters underground. And every day we weren't sure, you know, if you're going to 
go home and your parents will be there or not, you know? So it was just living through that for eight years and uh, following by immigration at the age of 16, learning to speak a different language at 16, because I skipped a grade two because Persian parents think their kids are the smartest. So they made <laughs> like Indians. <laughs> they made me skip a grade so at 16. You know, I had graduated high school. So I had to sit first year college at that age, speak a different language, be able to keep up with everyone and adopt a different, you know, environment, culture, everything. So I think all of that helps with resiliency, right? And, you know, I always talk about it because people are like, oh, pandemic is killing us. And I'm like, I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get better. We'll get through this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that probably helps a lot from my upbringing. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And it's a lot to have dealt with and gone through. I'm curious if you think, so, you know, the topic of this podcast is dream makers. Do you consider yourself a dream maker? I hope so. You know, my goal is to inspire the younger generation that anything is possible. You just have to believe in yourself and just go for it. You know, no one is holding you back, but you, right? And I think everyone knows their uh, strength more than anyone else. And everyone knows their weakness. So if you know what you're good at, go for it. If you know what you're not good at, try to get better at it, you know, because a lot of times people are like, as a founder, you have to be a good storyteller. You have to be a good speaker. What if I'm not? I'm like, well, then become better. Like you, yeah. you have to, right? So try to, yeah, try to keep learning, never stop. I love that advice. And it's so important because a lot of our listeners are younger, earlier stage in their career and thinking about doing bigger things. And you've demonstrated from everything from your war-torn childhood to becoming a clinician and then deciding to shift to something completely different. And then as a non-technical founder, founding a company, learning it, beating all the myths about social media, like you've got, you've gone through the whole journey and you've done it with resilience and grace. And it's a remarkable story and very impressive. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. I'm going to move into rapid fire. So I usually ask a few questions at the end and would love to hear what you think. The first one is what is your wake up song? The song that gets you going. If you're listening to something first thing in the morning, what would it be? I love this song. It's called Rainbow by Israel Kamaniko. It's really nice. Cool. So. We'll have to add that one to the list. If your 19-year-old self asked you today what they should read or listen to, what would you say? I really like Ritual Podcast. I really resonate with him because he's a wellness enthusiast and ultra athlete and he talks about personal and professional development and becoming your best self which is my mission and I book I really like power of vulnerability by Brand Brown that's a good one yes can you recommend a wine I like Brown Owl I don't know if you've heard of it it's a local winery in Okanagan British Columbia and it's beautiful winery and they have really good wines and I really enjoy Pinot Gris so I, I like Pinot Gris by Brown Owl. Cool awesome what should our listeners do tomorrow to help them become dream makers and you've mentioned a few things along the way but how would you sum that up? Authenticity I would say be yourself don't try to follow someone else's step, just be yourself. So for example, 
if I'm not a funny person, I'm not going to try to be funny. You know, just be yourself. You know more than anyone else what your style is, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Believe in yourself and just be yourself and be authentic. I love that advice. And we always talk about at Content Stack, you know, bring your best authentic self to work. And we try to create an environment for that. And that leads people to be able to do the best work of their careers and to and to be supportive friends and family members and all of that good stuff. I, I think that's an incredible advice. Heidi, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It was great to get to know you and hear your story and um, hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Yes, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Cheers to you. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for the wine. It was lovely. Of course. Thanks so much for listening to the Dream Makers podcast. You can reach out to me, Neha Sampat, on Twitter at NehaSF, that's N-E-H-A-S-F, with your comments, suggestions, your favorite wake-up song, wine, or Dreammaker Woman to know. Please also leave a review and subscribe to Dreammakers wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, keep dreaming big, building up, and being a good human. Thank you.